what the world takes away from you, no matter how hard the persecution is, no matter how much the trials uh, seem to be stacking up, no matter what you lose in life, right? If you're a born-again child of God, uh, we, have the, uh, we have assurance and uh, we have hope tonight, and and that's that is that is not a uh, uh, the, that is not cliches that are not those aren't cop outs. They're not just ways to kind of mentally uh, do mental gymnastics to get around hard times to just try to live and and make your way through it. No, these are facts that we live by, and these are the facts of the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God that we know and that we believe and that we are acquainted with. We have a great hope that this world doesn't have. But you know, sometimes, it's hard to remember that, isn't it? Sometimes when you're going through the trials and the tribulations, it's hard to remember that. How many have gone through trials? How many have gone through some hard testings in life? How many of you have gone through some dark times and when you got through them, you looked back and said, boy, I wish I had responded differently. Boy, I wish I had responded with faith instead of fear. Boy, I I tell you what, the Lord got me through again, and I really wish I would have come through with confidence and not with complaining. You ever done that? You ever done that? I I wish I had gone through that dark time with, with great determination instead of the depression I went through with. Have you been there before? I, I have. I can't tell you the countless number of times that I have come through some things and the Lord has brought me through some things and I came through and I thought, why, why did I respond that way? Why did I say that? Why did I, why did I, why did I, get, why did I get nervous? Why did I get here? I'm, I'm there right again tonight. I'm here again in life, again at a place in life, looking at a situation, at situations in life going, I've been here before a few years ago, and you know what my goal is this time, is that I don't respond this way, this time, the way I did the last time. I'm hoping that this time through it, right, listen, God doesn't grade on a curve. He will, listen, he will bring us through things in life that he's trying to teach us, and if he has to, he'll come over and over and over and over again until we learn them, until we respond biblically and correctly in what he's trying to do. And I'm praying this time that I respond correctly, unlike the way I responded the last time, right? I'm not going to tell you what it is, right? (laughs) I might tell you what it is. But right, it's listen. It's just like it's. We're just listen. I am where everybody else is in life. We have challenges in life, right? And uh, and um, if you want to know, sometime I'll, I'll tell you about all about what it is, and maybe it'll help you. But I know this: I don't want to respond the same way this time. I don't. I want to respond differently. And here's tonight what I want to look at: is that in there, there is an easy exercise in our text. There is an easy exercise that you can do when dark times come. There's an exercise. You know, there's, there's the health gurus out there and they tell you, well, if, you'll do, if, you, you, if you do curls, it'll help your biceps, right? If you do, if you do these pushdowns, it'll help your triceps. Look at those babies. It'll help, it'll help your triceps, right? If you do bench press, right, it'll help your, it'll help your pecs and your shoulders and your delts and all of that stuff exercises I, I i've got one of these things if you if you squeeze one of these right it, it'll help you get 
you know, your grip. I've, I've got to work on this because every time Jack grabs me by the end of my fingers, I've got to find him, right? I'm like, I'm working, I'm working. I'm going to turn this thing up a little. See what? You can turn it up and get It's an exercise, right? Can you feel that? Anybody want to try it? You want to try it? It's only on 80 pounds. It's not that bad. So, exercise. I want to show you tonight an exercise that'll help you in the dark times. It'll help you, it'll help us so we respond correctly. And the first thing we notice in 1 Peter, and it starts in the very beginning of verse 1, we looked at this, elect, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. What is that? That's the drawing of the Spirit of God. The setting aside, the setting apart of the Spirit. Who is drawn of the Spirit of God? The world. Everyone is. Everyone. Those who, listen, I don't have a lot of time to go through this tonight, but we have conscience, we have creation, we can respond to those things of natural revelation. But listen, everybody who comes under the sound of the gospel, listen, is drawn to the Spirit of God. We, we, listen, we, we, we uh, reject what the Reformed theology, what Calvinism says, that God only uh, draws the elect. No, He draws the world. Whosoever will may come. And this is what elect according to the foreknowledge of God. How, what is this election through? It's through sanctification of the Spirit. This isn't election, right, uh, just uh, an arbitrary choice. It's, it's by the work of the Spirit of God, right? There's a distinction there. Unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again, Right unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time wherein ye greatly rejoice Though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. And the first thing that we see here in the first chapter of Peter is that, listen, we have a great family. No, this, it starts with some really good news. We have a great family. Our position is Jesus. We are in Christ Jesus. I don't have to go spend much time on that. You understand what that is. Our position is in Christ. Our possession is eternal life. We could call it that way. We have been given, it is, he has given unto us eternal life. What is that? That is not life. Watch, that is, that is not life uh, uh, necessarily without end, but is, it is life outside of time. It is, it is is life. It is uh, no beginning and, and no end. It is forever and ever and ever. We have our. We have everlasting. We have eternal life. We have a. We have a power that is within us. What is that? The indwelling Spirit of God who dwells in us. Jesus says, "I'll leave you another Comforter." Right? He goes, "I. I. I have to go away, but I." Essentially, he said, "I can't go away until I leave you a, another Comforter." Why? He was not going to leave anybody to live to to carry on his job to carry on the role of preaching the gospel, of seeking the lost. He was not going to leave any of his uh, believers on this planet without the Holy Spirit. Right? He carried, listen, Jesus was indwelt by the Spirit of God when he came up out of his baptism. 
Why? He's God. Did he know? You know, isn't that a great, you ever thought about that? Why did God need the third, why did the second person of the Godhead need the third person of the Godhead to indwell his physical body? Well, because each person of the Godhead has a role to play. And Jesus was doing his role and the Holy Spirit, since Jesus put on a human body, the Holy Spirit was partaking in his role in that body that Jesus dwelt in. Right? And know what happens? The same thing with us. We, the Holy Spirit of God indwells our body. It is the power that we have. We have a promise, an inheritance incorruptible, we, we see here, which fadeth not away. Uh, you know, listen, we've talked about this. Some people get inheritances, and uh, when they get to them, they're gone. Right? They, they, they come to the law office, and the will is being read, and they realize, oh, there's nothing there. I was told there was more there. I dealt with that with a family member not too, just a few years ago. They said, oh, no, they told us there was more. It's like, no, there's not. Well, they said there was. Well, there's not. The lawyer says, you got it all. It's done. Oh, whoops. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know what happened to it, how it got spent up, but I know this. Our inheritance isn't going to be spent up. And we get there, all of it's going to be there. And it's all going to be present. It is incorruptible. It cannot fade away. It cannot rust. It cannot be corrupted. And nobody's going to steal it because it's in heaven. And I don't think anybody has the power to get there to take it away. Our inheritance is incorruptible. And not only that, not only do we have a position and a possession and a power and a promise, but we also have an inner peace. An inner peace. Wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. What is that peace that we have? Let me say it this way. I like this, what it says. We are kept by the power of God. I like that. That, that brings some peace to me. God is keeping me. God is going to, Jesus Christ is going to present us faultless before the throne of grace someday. He, listen, none of his, none of that the Father gives him, none, none are going to be, are, are going to fall away. Listen, we are preserved in Jesus Christ and we are kept. I don't know about you, that brings some peace to my, you know, there are, there are those out there and some of you grew up in this way and you grew up in this, in this, in, in this uh, religious system and you, ne there was never peace about their security and their salvation. There was never peace whether they were saved today and lost tomorrow they didn't know uh, I even remember uh, the the late Charles Stanley uh, you know whatever you think of him he grew up in a Pentecostal home and he remembers he said as a 12 year old boy every Sunday I went to an altar uh, to, to get saved again and he said every Sunday I was down there he goes but something in the depths of my soul knew that this wasn't right wow yeah yeah there's a peace that God gives us, and I'm thankful for that. And it's one of the things that, that we enjoy in that that gives us great peace is to know that know that we are kept by the power of God. Look at verse eight, what it says here. Verse eight: Whom having not seen, you love; and whom, though now ye see him not yet, believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable. And full of glory. All of the things that we have in Christ Jesus, right? We, we haven't seen him bodily yet. We haven't seen him with our own eyes yet. No, one day we are going to look upon him and what a day that's going to be. But even though we haven't seen him, even though we haven't handled him as John had said, even though we haven't touched him, even though we haven't heard him speak and what a day that is going to be, even though we haven't had those experiences yet, 
because of what we have in our possession, because of the inner working of the Spirit of God, because of what we know of the promise of God, listen, we know what it is to rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm telling you, the child of God should be the happiest person walking the streets. The child of God should have the greatest joy of anybody out there. Listen, we know the world can't have joy. We know they can have happiness, but they can't have joy. But it is a very sad thing when the child of God has not happiness nor joy. There's something wrong with that. And listen, that is for us. Amen. There, there is joy. It brings great joy. Not psychological joy or happiness. Not based on self. You know, it's not based on, I am wonderful. I am great. I am smart. Go ahead, say it. Say it to yourself. I am smart. Go ahead, say that, Chris. I am smart. Doesn't that make you feel better? Right? Right? Say that. Say, say that, Brother Earl. I am wonderful. I am a good, I'm a good guy. People really like me. Doesn't that feel good? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we know better, don't we, right? Aren't you glad our joy isn't dependent upon that? Right? You know what? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'll tell you, that'll bring joy. Amen. I don't have to be wonderful, and I don't have to be the smartest, and I don't have to be uh, the, the most uh, intelligent one out there, and I don't have to be a lot of things. I just know this, that God loves me. And he loves you. And I'll tell you what, that brings great joy. It's not psychological. The, the joy we have isn't based on our surroundings. Aren't we glad about that? I mean, uh, we, we, could, uh, we could always be worse. And we live in a wonderful country. And I'm so thankful for that. And uh, it, it could be a lot worse. And it could be better too, right? Uh, there's some that are really living it up out there. And uh, they're having a great and a wonderful life. And uh, I'm glad it's not based on that. I'm glad it's not based on any of those things external, but it is based upon truth. You and I can be here right now, right, with joy in our heart. And watch, it should show. It, it should show. I know we have bad days. I'm not saying we don't have bad days. I'm not saying that we don't have down times. I'm not saying that, that uh, bad things and dark times come into our life. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that it is, impossible, it is possible, regardless of what's going around, on around us, to have a heavy heart and yet have joy, right? Because of the truth that we know. When you think about who God is and what God did and what He thinks of you and I and who He really is, say this word, Father. Have you ever just stopped and pondered when you began to pray and just said, Father, hmm. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful word. Wait, beyond that, it's a wonderful truth. When thy father and thy mother forsake thee, the Lord will take thee up. Hmm, we have a heavenly father. That was unknown, listen, that was unknown to the Old Testament. Jesus introduced us how radical that was. Teach us to pray, the disciples said. Teach us to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Wow. Listen, we can have joy in the deepest trials and in the darkest families. Why? We have a great family. We have a great family. We have a great heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. But you know, we can't deny that there's great difficulties. Can't deny it, can we? Come on. You don't have to live very long to know there's great difficulties. Even the little infant baby though he doesn't know anything yet, still believes it's in great difficulties when it gets just the 
just the, just a tiny bit hungry and then, right? Yeah, great difficulties. Can't feed himself, herself. I mean, look around us right now. Look at, the, look at, look at what's going on. We've just talked about it. The, the, the difficulties that are going on. Just think about just on a national level in our own nation. Can I tell you, there, there's some real economic uh, trials coming. There are some real, real economic problems coming. I just was talking to, I believe, my, my insurance agent just the other, just the other day about, about housing. And, and uh, when some of this housing dries up and, and some of these things, there's going to be a dearth of, of jobs for construction workers. And it's going to catch up and, and interest rates are going higher and people are not buying and things are slowing down. And boy, I'm telling you what, there's some trials coming. There really are. There's some great problems coming. We have a horrible economy that's going on right now, right? I don't like I don't like four dollar. Uh, almost said an hour. Four, it's about like four dollar gas. I don't like that. I I, I don't like. Uh, have you noticed? I mean, everybody notices what it is to buy food right now, right? Isn't it incredible? Everything's probably gone up forty or fifty percent. Uh, a, a cup of junk coffee is like two or three bucks. At least, are you serious? Right? It's it's insane. And they all say, well, you know, our costs have gone up, and yes, everything has. I just talked about it earlier, a divided country that we're living in. It's unbelievable the division that's going on and, uh, and, and all of the things that are come about to divide us, whether it's, whether it's uh, class warfare, whether it's race warfare, whether it's, it's, uh, it's on the religious side. I mean, listen, I, we are going through some difficult times nationally. Uh, you, there are those in here, we could probably count all of us on some level going through some difficulties on the personal level, whether it is family problems, whether it is children problems, whether it is financial problems, whether they are health problems. I'm li- I mean, listen, we are going through difficult times, uh, not only nationally, not only personally, but what about spiritually? I mean, what a, what a walking away that we're seeing from the things of God. What a falling away we're seeing among Christians. I, it just boggles my mind to watch those that have grown up they have grown up in Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches. I know there's some crazies out there. I know there's some psychos out there. But by and large, the average church out there, let's say the average independent fundamental Baptist church out there, the average one, they love God and they love the Word of God. And the, the average man of God has the desire that, that the people love God and serve God and follow Him. And, 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 and they desire uh, to be the helper of their joy, right? Uh, and, and, but you just watch them just walking away. You watch people falling off. You watch people just go into the world. You, you, you're, you're watching them, I mean, just the love of money and the love of the world. And, and just it's like the discouragement of the darkness. And, and some people that you just thought were the most solid are going away. What about those? Uh, I, I mean, I just heard of, uh, of a, a man. I don't know who he is. I'm 70 years old in the ministry, 40 years or better, and just has fallen, fallen morally. I mean, this is going on all around us. It's unbelievable. We are just living in difficult times. What about your own drifting? No, we can talk about everybody else, but maybe you're in a time of drifting. That's between you and the Lord. I don't know. You're here on Wednesday night. I'd I'd be slow to say that among the people here tonight. But listen, if uh, you've heard it said a thousand times, right? If you can look back in your life and you know there is a time that you're closer to God than you are today, listen, you're backslidden. And your heart has gotten away from God somehow. If coming to the house of God used to joy you, bring joy to you more than it did before, there's something wrong. You say, well, it may not be as exciting as it was. Well, since when does excitement have anything to do with the joy of coming to the house of God to sing the songs of God and hear the preaching of the word of God? 
right? For, listen, for a child of God that, whose heart's right, they, they find joy in that, whether the songs are right. Or, I mean, remember those? I mean, the, remember when you first got saved? I mean, uh, remember the singing? I mean, you, you didn't care. You just wanted more of it, right? And now it's got to be just right. The temperature's got to be right. The, the heat's got to be right. The air conditioning's got to be right. The music's got to be right. I mean, everything's, I mean, if anything gets off, boy, everything just, uh, just shuts off. It means your, your heart's away. And listen, we're living in that day. We're looking at the world. I, I, got, I got to move on here, but look at the world. We know, we see what's going on in Ukraine. We see what's going on in Israel. We see the, the Palestinian, all these protests around our own nation, right? Uh, Pro-Palestinian uh, uh, protests in Washington, D.C., in New York City. You've seen them online. Maybe you've seen them on TV. I don't know, the threats to our own American people. I mean, they're, they're saying for the next 14 days, watch out, be careful. Don't go to big cities. Uh, there, there's, uh, there's intel coming in. We're at level DEFCON, whatever level, one, two, three, I don't know. I mean, there's all this stuff going on out there, right? And I'm just telling you, we're living in difficult times. It can get pretty depressing, can't it? It can, watch, it can bring us to a place of saying, so what? Right? Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, <laughs> God always has a great remedy for this. Peter knew what it was li- like to live in pretty hard times. Can I tell you this? Being crucified is pretty tough times. Being executed like the way Peter was, pretty tough. Before that, he had already been in jail, right? We, we've seen that in the book of Acts. He'd, he had already suffered for Christ. Wait, he counted it all joy. Remember that? <laughs> he rejoiced in it. We're living in times of difficulty, but our text here gives us a great remedy. He give, the Word of God gives us an exercise to, that, to, to, to do an exercise to build us up during difficult times. Though it's going to give us here in the verses here, it's going to give us something that we can pull out and do this when the tough times come. And what will happen? You'll get stronger. Look at those, look at those pipes. You'll get stronger. Right? Jack's still not impressed. Look at those. Okay, that didn't work. Look down at verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice that we have here wherefore, which is because of what has been written before. We have a great, listen, we have a great family. We have great difficulties. But here's the great remedy. Gird up the loins of your mind. That word gird up is to tie up like they would tie up their robe. Oh, look what I brought. I don't do this very often, you know, so you should really watch closely. Oh, and I never wear this thing because somebody got it for me. I'm just not a robe person. I would not have done well in the old days. And they'd wear their robes and they'd have the under, under robe and the over robe and a tunic. And this is really goofy looking. 
And uh, it would be wrapped around them. Looks pretty good, huh? Be all wrapped around them. This is hot. Wow. And, uh, but you know what's hard to do in this? To run a marathon. No, watch. To run some type of an endurance race where you needed to finish. Not, not a sprint. I could probably, if I was in this or in one of their robes and all wrapped up real tight, I could probably run for a little bit for, for a short time if I had to, right? If, if there was danger and I had to, you know, hurry up and, you know, get another cup of coffee and go sit down again. I mean, I could, I could do that pretty quickly. But I'm not going to run a long distance in this thing. Yeah. It just, it just doesn't work. I mean, and their robes were, I mean, there's a lot more to them. So what, you know what it means to gird up, right? They would pull up their robe, and they would bring it through the leg. I'm not going to do it here. And they would tie it all up, and they would tie their robe up so they could run. That is girding up the loins. It's girding up the loins. Why? So they can endure so they can run a while. Remember when Elijah was running back with Ahab to Jerusalem? The Bible says Elijah gird up his loins and he ran ahead. He ran up even ahead of Ahab. He had to run a long way. He had to run a long way. You see it all through the Bible. They girded up their loins. They tied up the robe. But watch. Get it out of the way. Get it out of the way so they could run. So watch this. What are you getting out of the way in the verse? Therefore, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. The loins of your mind. And be sober. Be sober. That word be, do you really need the word be defined? That word be means a fixed position. A fixed position. Watch this. Be sober. Be sober. What, 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 what does sober mean? It means to be awake or alert. So watch. Stay in a fixed place of alertness and awareness. Watch. A sober mind is a mind that is awake and alert. So watch this. To gird up the loins of your mind is to... You gird up the loins of your mind by sober thinking. Sober thinking. A sober mind is a mind that is awake, and an awake mind is a mind that is thinking. Yeah. What is the exercise in difficult times? Think. Think. Wake the mind up and think. Shake it, however you have to do it, right? Wake the mind up and think. What are we supposed to think about? Amen. Notice a few things here. Look at, we're going to get there. Look at verse 9. Go back to verse 9. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. You know what, I mean, maybe I'm making a stretch here, maybe I'm leaping way out, but you know what I think a great thing to think about in the time of difficulty is why don't you just stop and think about your salvation again. 
Why, why don't you just stop and think that, hey, I'm a child of God. Hey, why don't you stop and think this, this salvation that I have, this salvation that was given to me, it was planned before creation. Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. What does that mean? It means that God is in absolute control of everything. He's in control. He rules and reigns over everything there is. Listen to me tonight, please. God knows you and is concerned about your life just like you are concerned about your own children's lives. This preacher in Maryland, he said this the other day, and I had to stop and ponder it for a little while. Very simple sentence, and man, is it good though. He said, imagine doubting that a self-sufficient God could sustain you. Imagine doubting, just imagine doubting that a self-sufficient God, God is self-sufficient. He needs nothing outside of himself to exist or to remain. He is self-sufficient, right? He is self-sustaining. And could you imagine thinking that that self-sustaining God doesn't have the ability to sustain you? Well, that, that, that's an exciting thought. Yes, he does. He absolutely does. And I tell you, I, I like that. What do you need to think about? You need to think about your salvation. You need to think about that God is in control. You need to think about that God is aware of everything that is going on in your life. And not only that, that God is concerned about everything going on in your life. He cares. It's on our, it's on our little cards. God knows. God cares. He absolutely does. Why don't you turn? The, hey, listen. When the, when the darkness comes in, exercise that in your mind. Exercise that. When the fear is coming in, exercise that. Go back to that. Think on these things. Gird up the loins of your mind. Get the things out of the way of the mind so you can think clearly. Notice something else you can think of. I could go on and on. I just want to show you two things here in the text. Look at verse number 10. Of which salvation... The prophets had, have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied, look at this, of the grace that should come unto you. This is future tense. The grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ was in, uh, in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow. You see this? We think about salvation but you know what I think is another good thing that to, to exercise? Another great thing to think about is our coming redemption. Hey, listen, we're going to be like him someday. We're going to see him as he is. Notice it says here that grace brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want you to follow this very closely. The grace. The grace that should come unto you. You know, we know there's a saving grace. We know there's living grace. We know there's dying grace. But we see here a future grace. A future grace. What is grace? We know that grace is, is, is not only is, does grace mean uh, uh, unmerited favor, which it does, but it's also divine enablement. Divine enablement. Grace. You see, remember this. Before we, I, I, Let me back up. Remember, God is not a force. God is a person. Amen? He is a person.
Uh, we, 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 we know there's the person of God the Father and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and the person of God the Holy Spirit. God is not a force. He is a living, He is a person, amen? And when we think of grace, when we think of a future grace, what thing would you imagine? Think about this. When we think of grace, we think of, well, God's favor. And we think of, well, salvation, that's a thing. And that's, that's the favor of God. We think of maybe a good job that God gave us that we didn't deserve. That's a thing. We think of grace so many times as a thing. But maybe, maybe grace isn't always a thing. Maybe it's a person. The God of grace and full of glory. He's a person. He's not a force. See, right, right. It's unmerited favor, but also divine enablement. Let me ask you this. Is there any favor greater than the Lord Jesus Christ himself? Well, that's a pretty big favor, isn't it? That God would give his only son, right? That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hey, is there any greater divine enablement than the Lord Jesus Christ when he said, without me ye can do nothing? Yeah? See, watch. I think the, the word of, the, the, the grace of God, brother, you said it, the grace of God is summed up in the word of God. And the word of God is Jesus Christ. I've never taken a deep dive into it. But years ago, my brother's pastor in Philadelphia said, Every time you see the word grace in the Bible, almost every time, you can replace it with the word word, words, the word of God. God is the grace of God. Now notice this. Notice this here. The grace of God. One day we're going to see the grace of God with our own eyes. Who prophesied, verse 10, of the grace that should come unto you. We're going to see him as he is. Job said, I, for I know that my Redeemer liveth and shall stand on the, on the latter day upon the earth. And though my, and he said, though uh, the, the, my skin, the, 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 uh, after my skin, uh, worms destroy this body, he said, yet in my flesh I shall see God. He said, for who, whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Job knew, the oldest book in the Bible, Job knew that he was going to see uh, God someday with his own eyes. John said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and doth not appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Listen to me tonight. When the days are dark, when the times are difficult, gird up the, the loins of your mind, watch this, and think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. Think about him. Think about your salvation. Think about what he does for you on a daily basis. Think about what's coming. Your redemption draweth nigh. We're going to see him someday and very soon. Watch. You know, you know, you know what we need to do? Yeah, probably a good thing to do when the dark times come is to get your head out of the world, shut off the television for a while, get off the internet for a while, turn off the radio, get your place into a nice quiet place, and wake up your mind to think about the Lord Jesus Christ. He saved you. He indwells you. He's coming to take you home someday. Amen. Amen. Yeah. What will it do? It will fix a bad day. What do we do in a dark time? What do you do in the, 
when the trials are coming along? What do you do when the, when the family is falling apart? What do you do when people's health is falling apart? What do you do when the world is up in upheaval? Think about Jesus. Think about him. Meditate on him, right? Yeah. Over in Psalm 1, right? Over in Psalm 1, um, oh my goodness. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. There is no standeth the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. For his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate, what? Day and night. Yeah. What is that? It is a mind fixed on the things of God. Listen, when you fix your mind on Christ, when you fix your mind on your salvation, when you fix your mind and exercise your mind to your coming redemption. I'm telling you, friend, it's going to help you when the days are dark. Watch, it's what God's given us to exercise, right, to exercise our mind uh, to fight these dark days. If you would turn to Philippians 4.8, we'll, we'll finish there. You know this, you can quote it. Why don't we stand and we'll read this together and we'll be closed. If you find it, Philippians 4.8, find that, stand when you find it. We'll read it. And then we'll close in a word of prayer. Let's read it together. You want to read with me? Let's try that. Maybe, hopefully it won't be a train wreck. We'll try to stay together. All right. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, and here we go. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest... Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. There it is. There it is. Gird up the loins of your mind. And what we're going to see next week, Lord willing, is what follows this is be holy. Be holy. Holiness is, is, is a fixed position, not necessarily a list of do's and don'ts. And it's connected to a sober mind. We'll look at that here, Lord willing, next week. I don't know what you're going through tonight. I know what some are going through, I do know. But I don't know what everybody is going through. And no doubt, even some things I may know about, there's probably still a a myriad of things I don't know about. But God does. Hey, listen, He knew before you were born. He knew, listen, He knew before He ever spoke anything into existence. He knew. And He cares. And He's given us something to exercise, to help us out, watch, to get our thinking right so that the joy returns regardless of the circumstances around us. And what we need to do is just put our mind on the Lord Jesus Christ and spend a little bit of time meditating on Him. It'll do us a world of good. Amen. Our Father, thank you tonight that we have a great, great remedy to the difficulties that we all face in life. No doubt. And so, Father, we ask you tonight 
by your Holy Spirit, that you'd encourage us to put our mind on Christ tonight. That would wake up in the morning thinking about you, that we'd go to bed with our thoughts upon thee. That we'd go through our day with your word upon our heart and in our mind. And not just reading it, Father, but meditating on it. Maybe I could say it this way, daydreaming about it. Like we would something that we are greatly in love with. Would you help us there? We thank you for what you've given us. On top of everything else that you've given us, and life eternal as well, you've given us help as we travel through this life. And we thank you for that. We just pray that we be encouraged, that the world would be helped by us, and that many would come to thee. In Jesus' name, amen. The instrument's going to play. I don't know how the Lord's spoken to you tonight, but we have a time of invitation. You just deal with the Lord tonight. Are you spending, listen, are you spending your time thinking on Christ? Are you spending your time meditating upon Him? Maybe, maybe I don't know what's going on in life, but maybe you just need to ask the Lord tonight to help you to create a pattern. Maybe you need to just ask the Holy Spirit of God tonight to bring to your mind tomorrow and the next day, every time when the trials come, that He would just tap you again and just say, think on, think on Christ. Think on truth. Think on the word. Think of the coming grace. Think of your salvation. Glory in what he's done. Glory in who he is. Rejoice in what he's going to do. Amen. convinced so much of the entertainment that the world gives us is one of the most successful things to turn our mind off and keep us from thinking on Christ. Somebody said, I've said it before, do you, they said, do you think we'd have ever had the Psalms if David had an iPhone? <laughs> Sitting in the field, scrolling through an iPhone. Yeah. I'm not saying we, the Bible doesn't tell us to go live in caves <laughs> like, like monks and things like that, but may God help us to be aware of the things that tie up our legs and keep us from running. Praise the Lord tonight. Um, Saturday, uh, men's prayer, 10 o'clock. Uh, we'll be going out door knocking as well, 10 o'clock. I haven't even looked at weather in days. I'm assuming there's no rain. 58 and cloudy. That's it's too below is what that is. So, but, uh, so we'll have that coming up. And we have some events coming up November and December. And... Uh, I'll get also in the bulletin. I've been really feeling led to have the Lord's Supper here really soon. And, uh, and I'll put that in the bulletin as soon as I kind of get some confirmation when 
when to do that. So it's been a while. And uh, a lot to be thankful for. Amen. So God is good. All right. Let's be closed in a word of prayer tonight. And Brother Davidson, would you close us, please?